Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is uh, Alex Barron. I'm the, the pastor here. And I'm so glad you decided to, to join us for Ridgeview Online. Uh, we've been meeting at the park the last few weeks, but also doing this online service for all of you who are not yet ready to meet in person, or this may be uh, better for your schedule. And so we're so glad that you've decided uh, to join us. Uh, when you are ready, we'd love to meet you personally, get to interact with you. Uh, but in the meantime, please uh, feel free to continue to engage with us online, continue to take next steps with us as a church. Today, we are wrapping up the series, Questions People Ask. And we've been asking questions specifically about the Christian faith. We're talking about questions about Jesus, God. Last week, we talked about Christians and why do they sometimes act the way that they do. And this week, we're talking about this idea of, is there only one way to God? Is there this narrow path or is there a lot of options that kind of end you up in in the same place Uh, we live in a time and even in my own life where i love options i love shopping on amazon you can go in the search bar and you could look for anything and you'll find hundreds of different options for one thing you're looking for and it could get shipped to you and then you can look for something else and have hundreds of options and the cycle continues One of my favorite restaurants is the Cheesecake Factory. If you've never been to the Cheesecake Factory, it's very good. Here's a picture of their menu. This is where, do you remember like physical menus? Those used to exist. This is not just a menu. This is like a book. This is a booklet. In fact, at the Cheesecake Factory, there's over 250 items you can order. Any coffee lovers out there? I used to work at Starbucks back in the day when I was getting my teaching credential. Now, with all the multiple options of drinks, with all the multiple ways you can customize it, there's actually 80,000 choices that you can make when you order a drink from Starbucks. We, we all like options for, for food and, and, and drinks, but, but for spiritual things, for like the deeper things like meaning and purpose and eternal life and, and getting to God and understanding the real, many times we can actually get into that same mode as well, where it kind of seems like it's like choose your own path. As long as you choose the path that's true to you or or right to you, you'll get to your destiny or you'll get to the right place. It's kind of like this this picture here of Obi-Wan training Luke. He wanted him to understand light versus darkness, to know within himself. But when you start to think of that, it it can seem kind of vague. Like it's hard to understand like, well, how do I know if I'm going in the right direction? How do I know if, if I'm on the right track? And what if I'm supposed to feel something, but I don't feel it? Or what if the feelings I have are not right? And so even when it comes to spirituality, knowing God, relating to him, we can adopt this same idea. Like it's just multiple options, multiple choice. It's kind of like this picture of summiting Mount Everest. Everest is probably one of the most difficult mountains to summit, but it also represents this idea of the most clarity you could have. And so when people think of God and relating to him, they think like, well, you just choose a path and whatever path gets you there, you'll understand, you'll find meaning, you'll you'll find purpose. So the question we're asking today is, is there only one way to God is kind of asking that question, well, are there multiple routes that you could take? Is it just do what's right to you? Or Is there something outside of ourself that actually leads us to a specific place on a specific path that means we can't take multiple options? So what I want to do, what we've been doing in this series, let's dig into what God's word says. Specifically, we're going to start with what Jesus says, because God sent Jesus 
to actually reveal more of his plan for redeeming us. Really, more of the path, like here's the way forward with life, here and now, in the life that we have. And then here's the way forward in eternal life. Here's how you get to forever with God once this life wraps up. And so Jesus was relating to his disciples and he spoke so much about what would happen to him. And that's what I find so interesting about Jesus is people may question uh, his existence or was he the Messiah, but he consistently talked about things that were going to happen in the future, things that no one else would know, but things that were also prophesied in the, the Old Testament. In one instance in the book of John, he's describing the fact that he is going to be going back to God. Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew that he was going to die. He also knew that he would be raised back to life to conquer death, to pay for our sin. And so he's explaining to the disciples about the fact that he's going to be going to heaven, back to God, into forever, into eternity, to prepare a place for his followers. Not only the disciples of the time, but for everyone who's decided to follow Jesus. And so he says, like, I'm, I'm going to go before you. And Thomas, who is one of his disciples, who is also coined Doubting Thomas was a question asker. A lot of what we've been doing in this series, he asked a lot of questions. He didn't want to just take things at face value. Doubting Thomas, as, as the name was coined, was because he said he wouldn't believe Jesus had risen from the dead unless he saw the holes in his hands and the, the pierce in his side. And when Jesus returned and saw him, he showed. And he said, Thomas, here, here is my hands. And he could see in the flesh the scars from the crucifixion. And so Thomas asked a lot of questions, and I want to pick up this interaction. Jesus had been talking about what would happen to him. He was talking about he was going to go to forever. He was going to enter back into eternity to be with God, and then he'd be returning someday to call all those back who follow him into eternity. Well, notice what Thomas says in John 14, 5. And he's talking about knowing the way, and he says, no, we don't know, Lord. We we don't know this. We don't know where we're going to go, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? So Thomas is saying, I'm confused. You're talking about you're going to go prepare this place. You're talking about you're going to leave us, but we're not going to have any idea of how to follow you because you're going to be gone. And how are we going to know how to get there? And so to answer this question, is there only one way to God? Is, Is Jesus the way to get us back to God? Notice what Jesus himself says in John 14, 6. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to just break down some of those key statements that Jesus says. First, he says, I am the way. The way is talking about the route, the the path forward. If you want to get to God and you want to know how to get into eternity, into forever, Jesus says, I am the way to that. Like there is no other path. There's no other route. I am the way. I am the, the, the map forward. I am the guide who, who will lead you there. And notice it says, I am. Like there's no other option. And then he talks about, I am the truth. What Jesus is talking about is like, this is true and real. What I'm saying to you, what I've taught you, what you've seen with your own eyes, what people will read about like us today in the church, It is true. It happened in history. What Jesus foretold happened. He was going to be crucified. He was going to die. 
and he was going to rise again, and it happened. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the, the way forward to God, I am the route, I get you there. Then he says, I'm the truth. Like, trust me, like, this is going to happen. This is real. This is true. It's secure. It has integrity. And then he talks about, I'm the life. And he's saying that there's a vitality being alive in every sense. So if you want purpose and if you want meaning, you could look in many other places, but if you want life in every sense, life to come together here on this earth, direction forward, purpose, meaning, a sense of belonging, wholeness, that comes through me. So he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And then he closes that statement and notice how important this statement is. He says, no one, absolutely no one comes to the Father, God, Almighty God, the Creator, except through me. So this is the answer to the question. Is Jesus the only way to God? Is there only one way to God? Well, according to Jesus' own words, the one who came, who lived, who died, who rose again, who paid the price for our sin. According to Jesus, the answer is yes, there is only one way. And Jesus is the only way. So this is where you begin to see, well, Christianity is, man, that, that's exclusive. Seems like, well, th- there's this, this sense of like, well, no one else could, could be right. So I want to dig into some more of, of those questions. But according to Jesus, the answer is no, he is the only way. And this is actually the truth that is continued in the church and remains for all Christians who follow the scripture. The answer is still the same. Notice what the early followers of Christ said in Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So is there only one way to God? Jesus says, yes, it's me. The early church, is there only one way to God? Yes, there's only one salvation and it's in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who paid the price for our sin. And since he paid the price for our sin, he's the only one that gives forgiveness. And since he's the only one that gives forgiveness because he paid the price for our sin, he's the only one that can lead us back to God. No matter what we do in our own life to be good enough, it's not gonna measure up because we could not pay the price for our sin. Why? Because we were dead spiritually. If you're dead spiritually, you have no power. You're dead. There's nothing you can do. So Jesus, when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, he's saying, I'm the power that you need. And I've given the payment that you need to get back into relationship with God. Now, in this day and age, being that exclusive, some would say that, that man, that, that's narrow-minded or that's in, intolerant or man, that, that just seems a little, like it, it can be unsettling. That, that can actually rub us the wrong way. Again, we love options. For anyone to say that there's no other option, that that's just the only way, that can kind of oh, make us take a step back. So why is that the case? Well, there's another question. What about other major religions? They have authoritative texts as well. Christians, we have the Bible. Judaism, they, they have the, the Old Testament. But there's also uh, the Koran the or the Book of Mormon, other texts which speak of how you find your way to eternal life. 
There's also religious leaders, Krishna, Buddha, Muhammad. So how could you have other major religions that are speaking about other ways to get to heaven, but yet Christianity say that that's the only way? Well, this brings up the question of of truth. And when Jesus says, I am the way and the, the truth, what he's talking about is, I am uppercase T. There is other moral teaching that could be helpful. But even Buddhism says like, The the teachings of Buddhism and the teaching of Christianity go in the opposite direction. So it's interesting, back to that picture of Everest, when you think of summiting and getting to ultimate clarity, eternal life, getting to the top of the mountain, Buddhism, Christianity, Mormonism, Islam are all going in different directions. And if you follow one of those paths, It's not just they're all going to the top. What Christianity is saying is actually the only way is through Jesus. And Jesus is the only way up. These other religions could be moving you in another direction, but you're not going to God. And that's the power of what Jesus is saying. Again, that doesn't mean that other religions don't have helpful moral help. They could even contain some some truth, but it's like lower case. It's not ultimate revealed truth that we find in the scripture and we find in the person of Jesus who was the word who became flesh and dwelled with us according to what the the scriptures say. So other religions, they have their own path, but Christianity says that path does not lead to eternal life. Christians haven't said that. That was Jesus himself. That's what God's word says. So Christians didn't just come up with this and think, how can we be narrow-minded? How can we not play nice in the sandbox with these other religions? It's because we believe that there can only be one payment for sin. We believe that there can only be truth according to what God has revealed. And because Jesus said he is the way, he's the truth and the life, and then his life backed it up by what he did by dying on the cross, by rising again, And then ascending back into heaven, he did what he said he would do before it happened. So Christians say, I'm going to put my trust on the foundation of the scriptures. And while many people can be left to themselves to to choose an option, Christians say that there's only one option. And we want to share this one option because it is the way. And it's the truth. And it's the life that you can experience to its fullness. So a little bit about religions. Another question you may have asked is this. Well, what, what about sincere, good, and moral people? There's some that just can't stand religion. Kind of like what I talked about last week. There's some people that can't stand Christians because they've been burned by the church. They've been burned by Christians. They've been burned by other religions. You don't have to go far to find somebody who is just so antagonistic to religions that they just, I'm done with it all. I'm just going to be a good person. And you, you see that all the time. You see it in memes on Facebook or Instagram, on Twitter. It's just the sense of like, I am just going to do what's right. And I'm just going to be good. And I'm just going to love people. And I'm going to accept people. And I'm going to meet people where they are. And there's a sense of we're going to find the moral equivalence of what goodness is within ourselves. And this is actually not bad. I'm for that. I'm for us treating each other rightly. Of course, that's what Jesus taught. I'm for us loving and accepting. Of course, this is what Jesus taught. But you can't take what Jesus taught and only the parts of it and just cut out the parts that we don't like. 
So for me, we, we have to be kind and we need to love and we need to accept. But at the same time, the only way that we can fully do that is choosing Jesus's way, obeying what, what he says. Uh, there's a song that I've been really into lately. It's, it's written by Lori McKenna, really made famous by Tim McGraw. And it's called Humble and Kind. You, you may have heard this and I'm not gonna play it for you, but I encourage you to check it out because it could be helpful. But here's an image of the the lyrics. And it's just a list of, of some things. And the verse has all these things that you can do. You know, say please, say thank you, open doors. But the chorus is just always be humble and kind. And I, I think humility and kindness, the world could use more of, don't you? I know in my own life, I could choose to be more humble when things don't go my way. I could choose to be more kind. This morning, I don't know if you've ever had one of those days where you pictured life going different. This morning, our pantry was attacked by ants, ants everywhere. It's the type of thing like you don't even know what to do. Like, do I just put a dynamite, blow the whole thing up? That's how it felt this morning. Stressful, not as I thought. So now I'm getting irritated. I'm stressed out. The kids are relating. I'm short and snappy with them. I wanted to be humble and I wanted to be kind, but the ants came and that wasn't possible. Is it the ants' fault? Well, sure feels like it, but I had a choice. The problem was in my reactions, I wasn't humble, nor was I kind. Circumstances happen. And because I don't have that goodness within myself, I snapped and reacted. And I was stressed out. And when we're stressed out, and when things don't go our way, we tend to do that. That's what makes us human. So the issue with what about good and moral people, the the problem is, what do you do when you're not humble and when you're not kind? We would all agree it's good, but wouldn't we all agree as well that that doesn't describe us a lot? It doesn't take long for us to go in the grocery store. Someone cuts us off in traffic. Someone speaks to us rudely at work. Our kids snap at us. They tell us no. What do you do when we retaliate? What do we do when we just are selfish, when we're arrogant, when we're prideful? That's what Jesus is saying is, I've come so that you can answer that question. Because when we're not humble and kind, we don't have the power to change. Why do we not have the power to change? Because we're not humble and kind. Like Within ourselves, we keep doing what we don't want to do. And the things that we should do, we don't. The things that we don't want to do, we end up doing. That's the human condition. So Jesus came to say, hey, you don't have the power. You actually don't have the morality within yourself. You could be good, but inside and outside, you're messed up. Sin, again, it's it's plagued us all. So Jesus came to say, "I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and life. You can have power and help and guidance outside of yourself. I like this quote by the pastor, James Emery White. White. He says, faith is like a rope. It matters what it's tied to. If your faith is tied to your own morality, picture the scales. Well, what happens when you're really, you know, here's goodness and okay, you're a little bit more good. So you're more good than you are bad. But what happens again when you make those choices? Well, if your faith is tied to this, what your faith is always going to be like this. Are you confident? Well, have I been good today? Kind of. But then I, oh, I did that. No, oh man, no. And I totally forgot to do that. I told that person I'd follow up and I didn't. Before you know it, you're faced with this. The wrong. And if your faith is always tied to your own morality based on your own good works, 
That's called a roller coaster of emotion. That's called you never know if you're okay. That's called struggle, discouragement, being burdened by the weight of our choices. Other religions, our own morality, don't have an answer for how we actually pay the penalty of our sin. It can't be by good works because we're not good. And our good works don't fix the problem. It can only come as the payment for sin is made once and for all through the death of Jesus. It was complete. It was finished. And it was paid by the only person who could do it, the perfect one, God himself. And so is there only one way to God? Yes, it's through Jesus Christ. The good news is God is gracious. The bad news is, as you begin to ask ask these questions, it, it, it leads to some other questions. And these don't seem like they're gracious. So let's ask some more questions. Well, is God going to send everyone else to hell? If this is true, if Jesus is the only way, and he's the only way to life, and he is the truth, then what about everyone else? That's actually a tough question. So is God going to send everyone else to hell? Well, we live in a time where we think truth and sincerity are almost the same. Like, as long as you're sincere, maybe truth doesn't matter as much. Well, what you find is sincerity and truth are very different. For instance, if I have a headache and I want to take Advil, but somebody gives me poison and I take that, it really mattered what I took. If I'm taking the poison, that has terrible consequences. Now, I thought I was taking Advil, but, but I didn't. But you see, my, my choice there is really important or, or what I actually do or take is really important. The same if I've got some dry eyes and I'm having trouble seeing and I need some saline solution, but instead I reach for something that's got some bad chemical in it and I put it in my eye. Again, in sincerity, I was wanting to fix my eye problem, but by my choice, I picked maybe something that contains some sort of corrosive acid that's going to burn my eye. So it actually isn't the most important question, is this person sincere? The question is, is it actually true? Is it, is it moral? Does it reflect God's reality as he has designed it? And so the question behind this is, is God going to send everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ and follow him as Lord to hell? Well, here's the good news. God sent Jesus so that we would have a choice. And in our choice, we find the answer. Notice what it says in John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is probably the verse that most people memorize first. You see it at sporting events, John 3.16. Because it really is like the gospel. For God so loved us so much, despite our sin, he sent his son Jesus. And then it goes on in 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So notice it's out of God's love and his kindness and his grace to us that he sent Jesus. And now you see there is a path and there's two paths. There's actually two ways to live. 
And I want to share a video with you briefly of those two choices. Because what, what the scripture is saying right here is, is God doesn't want us to be condemned. So he sent Jesus. And everyone who chooses to believe in Jesus is not condemned. They do not have to face the judgment. But for all those who don't believe in Jesus, they are condemned because they've decided to go their own way, to figure it out by themselves. So in a way, like God is rescuing us, but those who don't want to be rescued will not be. They will face the judgment. So let's watch this. Note right before, this is made in Australia, so enjoy his Australian accent. Let's watch Two Ways to Live. The text of Two Ways to Live. God is the loving ruler of the world. He made the world. He made us rulers of the world under him. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Revelation 4.11 But is that the way it is now? We all reject the ruler, God, by trying to run life our own way without him. But we fail to rule ourselves or society or the world. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Romans 3, 10-12 What will God do about this rebellion? God won't let us rebel forever. God's punishment for rebellion is death and judgment. Man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Hebrews 9.27 God's justice sounds hard, but because of his love, God sent his Son into the world, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus always lived under God's rule. Yet by dying in our place, he took our punishment and brought forgiveness. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. 1 Peter 3.18 But that's not all. God raised Jesus to life again as the ruler of the world. Jesus has conquered death, now gives new life, and will return to judge. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1, three. Well, where does that leave us? The two ways to live. Our way. Reject the ruler, God. Try to run life our own way. Result? Condemned by God. Facing death and judgment. God's new way. Submit to Jesus as our ruler. Rely on Jesus' death and resurrection. Result? Forgiven by God. Given eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. John 3.36 Which of these represents the way you want to live? I really like the end of that question. And it says, which of these represents the way you want to live? And I think that describes this this choice. And so picture God is, is... given us this this way like 
you, you follow him and, and life can become, begin to come together. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to face problems, but it does mean that we now have an answer what we do with our own sin, what we do with, with our own rebellion. So the question, how can a loving God send someone to hell? The answer is this. He doesn't. We send ourselves. And that's what John chapter 3 is all about. It's our choice. And that's why our freedom and the choices we make in this life is so important. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you. This is also what is so crucial about you sharing your faith with others. Because if there's only one way and one truth and one life and one path, and people haven't heard clearly how to get on that path with Jesus, then we're failing to share how they can be rescued. And that thought, that just, that puts a burden inside of me. If this is true, and there's only one way, we have to be out sharing the good news with people. And that's why it's called good news, because we have a choice, and we have a choice to actually make a difference here and now by choosing to follow Christ. Another question related to this is, why would a loving God have something like hell in existence? We like to talk about heaven. We talk about heaven a lot, but we don't talk about hell much. Hell is described in scriptures as a place of eternal torment, a fire of burning, like it's a place where you can't escape judgment, you can't escape pain. And heaven is the opposite, where there is no pain. And after we have met with Jesus in the final judgment and we decided to follow him, we, we enter eternity with him. And life is actually the best life we've ever known. It's, it's come full together all wholeness will be restored. But hell is a place that you can't even fathom just how terrible and desperate it would be. But it has to exist because morality and truth has to be real. And and without hell or without consequences, then then truth is just arbitrary. It's the idea of right and wrong. If, If there's no right, then there can't be wrong. And if there's no wrong, they, can't, they go together. If there's one path, then there has to be consequences. Or again, the faith is, is meaningless. It's, it's not true. Without a universe that has this, this moral judgment in, in place, then there'd be no consequences for sin, for people who do terrible things. Now, the good news is God is still gracious even when we mess up. But there has to be this earth and this universe that there is right and wrong and there's consequences for it. Without it, then life really doesn't doesn't matter. We can just do whatever we want and everyone can do whatever they want and it will all work out. That's kind of the world we live in, but it's not true. There are consequences. Hell is disturbing. It's a hard-edged truth. It's, It's hard to accept. But without hell, we wouldn't fully know morality. And without hell, we actually wouldn't fully know the grace of God because he saves us from that through Jesus Christ. Last question. What about people who've never heard the gospel? I shared about the importance of telling people, what about people that have never heard? These could be people that there's still some places on this earth that people have not heard about Jesus. And that's why as a church, we want to partner with the International Mission Board to send missionaries out to share this news. But what about people that have never heard? Or what about people who mentally can't understand? 
These are tough questions. And to answer it is, well, God, God is a very good God. And what we need to know is that there's people that need to hear the name of Jesus and we have to continue to send people out. And as God calls you, you need to continue to go out to share. But notice this scripture in John 1, 14. And it's this description of Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the answer is God will do what is right. And he does what is right based on what's true, but also that's measured by his grace. And we've talked about this. The idea of God through Christ is the full measure of grace and truth. It's very hard. We, sometimes we just see truth, but no grace. And sometimes we want just grace with no truth. And you can live in those two extremes. But, but Jesus came and, and he was the full measure of each of those. And so for people who've never heard, we want to continue to get the word out. We want to share how they can be rescued. And then for people who, who don't understand or mentally can't fathom because of a handicap, because of disease, God will do right by them. He knows exactly what's going on inside their heart, what's going on inside their mind. He knows their limitations. He also knows their level of comprehension. God will do what is right. And that's why I'm so glad he is the ultimate one who sits on the throne and knows who is his. So as I wrap up, I want to encourage you. Take some time to think about these implications because this is the truth. This is what I want to make sure I'm reminded of daily as I interact with people. Everyone is looking to be rescued. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for the destination that they need to get to find meaning. And Christians, we we have it. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. So speaking of two ways to live and the choice that we all have to make, I want to encourage you, let's take some next steps this morning. So the first next step, and you can mark this on that connection card that Ben mentioned, and please fill that out now. Uh, You can click on that. Uh, on the tab if you've not yet started. But here's the option, the first next step, is for the first time I'm committing my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, If you've never done that, that's what it means to become a Christian. You decide that two ways to live, like I'm gonna live with Jesus on the throne of my life. I'm gonna surrender my life to him. He's now gonna call the shots. If you've never done that, mark that on the connection card. We will follow up with you. That's the most important decision you could ever make. Second next step, pray for an opportunity to share the good news. Again, if you're a follower of Christ, you're commanded to share. You're commanded to go into your relationships, live out the Christian life, and then share how people can become Christians themselves. People can't just see your life and know the gospel. They can't just see your life and know the one path. You have to explain it, how someone can be saved. So I encourage you, Pray for an opportunity to share that with somebody this week. And then the last next step is invite somebody that you know to engage with us as a church. It could be maybe to watch our online service, share that with them. It could be maybe to come to church at the park, join a a connect group. And speaking of connect groups, if you've not yet decided to join a connect group, I encourage you to do that. This is a place where you can really grow and take next steps. If you go to our event page on our website, you can find out more information. I encourage you to do that. So glad that you decided to join us for this series. Next week, we kick off a brand new series called Stand. 
And we're talking about how do we stand in light of things that tend to knock us down? How do we stand in the fire of life? And we're going to be focused on uh, the life of Daniel. And I'm really excited to dig into his story, his life, and then the implications for us today. So hope to see you next Sunday, same time, 10 a.m. on our website. Please feel free to invite somebody to join with us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for thinking of everything related to our life, how we move forward, the guidance that you give. And we are indebted to you. There's nothing we can do to figure this out ourselves, but you sent Jesus to lead us back to you. Thank you that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. God, I pray for anyone here who's not yet decided to follow you, that today they will make that decision to enter into the narrow way to eternal life by making Jesus the boss of their life. I pray also for opportunities for all of us to share Christ with neighbors and coworkers and friends and family. God, I pray against fear in the name of the Lord Jesus. God, help us to be courageous and bold and not timid because we want to see people rescued. God, as we continue to move forward, I pray for our connect groups that these will be a place of encouragement. As we launch our next series, God, I pray that people will hear and have hope of what you do in a life fully surrendered to you. Pray just a prayer of blessing on everyone watching today for the rest of their day. In the name of Jesus, amen.